Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Friday, February 16th, 2024, the 1,122nd day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'm your moderator.substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. And in doing so, you will be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the podcast for free a couple days later on a wide variety of podcast platforms. And of course, Rumble. All I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find the links to the podcast, the writing, the social media, and the merch site by visiting linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. All right. So if you are alive and paying attention to politics, which you kind of must be if you're hearing my voice, then you would know yesterday was all about Fonnie Willis or Fannie Willis or whatever her name is, taking the witness stand in a case in Fulton County, Georgia, 
before Judge Scott McAfee to answer questions about her relationship with the prosecutor she chose to go after the quote unquote former President Donald Trump, Nathan Wade, about the relationship they had. They were dating or maybe they were just doing the thing people are doing when they say they're dating, even though they're not actually dating. Or maybe the entire thing is just made up for television. It wouldn't be the craziest thing we've seen in these last four years. I mean, we saw paragliding go-karts fly over the most secure border in the history of the world and nearly start World War III. So the Fannie Willis, Nathan Wade thing being made up out of nothing would not even come close to the weirdest thing we have learned in our recent past. But the two of them took the witness stand yesterday independently, obviously. And Fanny's father, who was a Black Panther, has taken the witness stand this morning. The journalist Paul Sperry noted that in a post on X, formerly Twitter, saying Atlanta D.A. Fanny Willis's radical Black Panther father, John Floyd, who lived with her and advised her when she indicted Trump, will be called as a witness in her misconduct hearing Friday. Floyd shacked up with FBI most wanted terrorist Angela Davis, who was involved in the fatal shooting of a judge. And let's spend just a second on Angela Davis. This is her official CIA-approved bio in Wikipedia. Angela Davis is an American Marxist and feminist political activist, philosopher, academic, and author. She is a professor at UC Santa Cruz. Davis was a longtime member of the Communist Party and a founding member of the Committees of Correspondence for Democracy and Socialism. She was active in movements such as the Occupy Movement and the BDS campaign. That's Boycott, Divestment, and Sanctions. That's a pro-Palestinian effort. During the 80s, Davis was twice the Communist Party's candidate for vice president. She received various awards, including the Soviet Union's Lenin Peace Prize and induction into the National Women's Hall of Fame. But, you know, you can't keep a good communist down. In 2020, she was listed as the 1971 Woman of the Year in Time magazine's 100 Women of the Year edition. I guess they retroactively did that. I don't know. In 2020, she was also included on Time's list of the 100 most influential people in the world. Now, that's not the exciting stuff. Let's get down to business here and flash back to 1970. You can find the full story on this Wikipedia page. As California considers, quote, all persons concerned in the commission of a crime, whether they directly commit the act constituting the offense or aid and abet in its commission are principles in any crime so committed, end quote, Davis was charged with, quote, aggravated kidnapping and first degree murder in the death of Judge Harold Haley and Marin County Superior Court Judge Peter Allen Smith issued a warrant for her arrest. After the judge issued the warrant, a massive attempt to find and arrest Davis began. On August 18th, four days after that warrant was issued, the FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover listed Davis on the FBI's 10 most wanted fugitive list. And at some point, this violent communist radical became friends 
with Fonnie Willis's father. What are the chances? I mean, it's like so random. We have this long history of domestic terrorists who also happen to be communists and they're always just allowed to go free. And then later on, they are honored by all of society. It reminds me of that woman, Susan Rosenberg, who was part of the May 19th communist organization. They actually bombed the U.S. Capitol and she was put in prison and then she was pardoned on her final day by President William Jefferson Clinton. Susan Rosenberg then went on to serve on the board of a group called Thousand Currents, which served as the fiscal sponsor for an organization called Black Lives Matter. That's right. They made sure no one ever questioned the finances of Black Lives Matter. How do these commies do it? It's like the entire system has been infiltrated specifically to allow exactly this. But anyway, we shouldn't let this influence our opinion of Fonnie Willis. Sure, it's incredibly strange that her dad was a Black Panther and palling around with this domestic terrorist, but it probably didn't rub off on her. But I digress. So in the morning yesterday, Nathan Wade took the stand. Then Fanny or Fonnie took the stand in the afternoon. Everybody was glued to their televisions. People from our community were watching. And for whatever reason, the mainstream media was also broadcasting the trial and covering it all day from the MSNBC side to the Fox News side. They all decided we can show this story to everybody. Now, why would they decide something like that? When I see the entire mainstream media talking about the same thing we're talking about and from the same perspective from which we are approaching it, I think, hey, something is seriously wrong. I believe we must be missing something. And when I start thinking things like that, I begin noticing a lot of strange things that aren't being talked about. And I begin wondering, why are people having these other conversations, because most of what we're hearing about the Fannie Willis trial is coverage of various clips where, ooh, she said a bad thing that makes us very mad. She's saying something that isn't true, according to other things I've heard. Or we get some salacious details about her past or her friendships or her finances or her relationships with Nathan Wade, this prosecutor who she has assigned to prosecute the quote-unquote former president of the United States. And so let's think back to last August when Fonnie Willis first brought these charges. Last year, August 14th, the indictment comes down. But before the indictment came down, a few hours earlier, you might remember that a list of the charges were released. The list of charges was put out on the Fulton County website and then immediately taken down, but not before... It was seen by the public and widely reported, and that kind of short-circuited the major television event they had planned for primetime that evening. You'll remember, Fannie Willis went out on TV in the evening to let the whole nation know Donald Trump was in big, big trouble. And then we went through the indictment. The indictment was ridiculous. The idea that she was going to be able to prove a criminal conspiracy, a plot to commit a crime to overthrow the United States of America, that was always absurd. You might also remember this is the only one of those 
Trump criminal indictments where we have gotten an actual mugshot, or at least what we're told is an actual mugshot. We've seen a couple of plea deals, Jenna Ellis and Sidney Powell. We've heard about the Harrison Floyd issue. And then a couple of months ago, a guy named Mike Roman, who is also one of the defendants in Fonnie Willis's RICO suit, filed a court motion in early January. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution described it this way. The bombshell public filing alleged that special prosecutor Nathan Wade, a private attorney, paid for lavish vacations he took with Willis using the Fulton County funds his law firm received. County records show that Wade, who has played a prominent role in the election interference case, has been paid nearly $654,000 in legal fees since January 2022. The DA authorizes his compensation. Of Roman's alleged proof, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution writes, the document offers no concrete proof of the romantic ties between Willis and Wade, but says, quote, Sources close to both the special prosecutor and the district attorney have confirmed they had an ongoing personal relationship, end quote. Roman's lawyer, Ashley Merchant, said she reviewed the case file in Wade's ongoing divorce proceedings at the Superior Court Clerk's office and made copies of certain documents. But the case file was later improperly sealed because no court hearing was held as required by law, the motion said. And so from that point, we had a rush to get the documents in Nathan Wade's divorce proceedings. We need the receipts to prove that Fanny was having this relationship with her special prosecutor. Roman's motion asks for Fanny Willis and Nathan Wade to be dismissed, and they may well still be dismissed. And for the last five or six weeks, we have heard all the arguments about why they should be dismissed or why they shouldn't. Some people say, oh, well, maybe. Fannie Willis was acting improperly, and maybe she had an inappropriate relationship with Nathan Wade, but it doesn't mean that her charges against the quote-unquote former president are wrong. It's still very, very important to see Donald Trump prosecuted and punished for these crimes that we just made up out of nothing. And that basically brings us up to the present day where we get to hear all the salacious details of their relationship. We get to understand a full biography of this relatively new character, Fonnie Willis. And then we get to decide what we feel about her and what it all means and whether or not we will ever see justice again with people like this in the DA's office. Now, if I thought this was all real and meaningful, I would still probably think that the details of this case that are coming to light over the past few days, everyone just wrapped attention on these proceedings. I think even in that situation, I wouldn't care much about any of these details. I don't care about Fonny's personal life. If she has a conflict of interest, it should be dealt with. The same way all of these things are dealt with, if that's how it goes, then great. If that's not how it goes, then great. We have an illegitimate government. I don't care about whether or not the Fulton County courts decide that Fannie Willis has a conflict of interest with the special prosecutor she hired who she's having a relationship with. What could be more obvious? What are we going to do? Find out we have a two-tiered system of justice in this country? 
And what will be the conclusion? Are the two of them removed from the case and then replaced? And then the case continues to go forward? Hey, maybe. Are they removed and then the whole case falls apart while Donald Trump is still tainted with the guilt of this accusation that never amounted to anything? Maybe. And what is the fallout if that happens? Well, if I believed that all of this was real and Donald Trump was facing a real threat and could go to prison on this basis, and then he might lose because he's in prison or the RNC decides he's not the nominee anymore because he's in prison. Well, I guess if all of that was real and I was emotional and afraid that all of that would be the end of the world, well, then maybe I would care about the outcome of this, but I don't care about the outcome of this. And I don't care about the outcome of this because this case, if it continues to play out in public, will provide the opportunity for Donald Trump to show irrefutable evidence of not only stolen elections, but an insurrection against this country by the actual usurpers, not by the duly elected president. That's not even possible. And to tell you the truth, that's what I would like to see. Now, I'm not concerned about it either way. I'm not concerned about Donald Trump going to prison, and I'm not concerned about us losing. I'm concerned about pushing forward toward the awakening, and that means we really deeply need to understand what it is we're watching. If you want to change from one brand of uniparty politics to the other brand of uniparty politics, you can follow the new mainstream on the right media to that destination. That is where they are trying to drive you. And if they are able to bring you there, don't you worry. They will tell you that you won. And you might be able to tell those commies you just can't defeat in argument. Hey guys, ha ha, the TV says we won. Therefore, my inability to win this argument with you is irrelevant because the TV has won it for me. Oh yes, they will hold parades in your name. And all of that will be very, very special. And if that is what you are seeking, don't let me ruin your enjoyment. By all means, embrace your uniparty future and stock up on your central bank digital currency. But if you don't want to jump out of the frying pan and into the fire, then we need to do things like fix 2020 and getting Fonnie Willis removed from a fake indictment of Trump due to some sexual improprieties doesn't get us any closer to the actual wins. It's not a win at all. And you know how you know that? Because all the people who lie to you all the time on television, all those television characters, the ones on Fox News, the ones on The Daily Wire, the ones on CNN, the ones on MSNBC, if they all agree that getting rid of Bonnie Willis is the right thing to do, then you should be very skeptical. And if the entire story could have been created from nothing, and this one absolutely could be, you should be all the more skeptical. And that should be even more obvious when we have been given strong indications that this trial might be the venue where the full story of election fraud could finally be presented before the nation. And you'll remember that after that indictment last August, middle of August, Trump immediately responded that in two weeks he was going to have a press conference down in Georgia 
to present all his evidence of election fraud. And then that was canceled. It's been hinted at a few times since then. This would be a perfect venue for that. And think for a second what it means to be afraid of these indictments rather than understanding these indictments. If you are afraid of these indictments, then you are hoping for this takedown of Fannie Willis to be successful, which would deprive Donald Trump of this wonderful opportunity, particularly with this prosecution so tainted and disgraced already. You think they're just going to bring in some relief pitcher who's going to argue Fannie's case? They're going to create some new hero lawyer who can definitely take down Trump. And by the way, hilarious storyline if they choose to go that route. Being afraid of the story because you're not skeptical enough about what you're being told by the television puts you in a position where you are actively promoting the very thing that will make it harder for you to achieve your real goal. And this applies broadly. The Uniparty media and the Uniparty itself, everything that comes from them is directed toward keeping you in that central narrative bubble. Because within that bubble, you will end up becoming one side or the other of that controlled opposition dynamic. They don't care which side of the story you're on. They care about whether or not they're getting full buy-in. Now, let's talk for a second about Michael Roman's lawyer, Ashley Merchant. Ashley Merchant is not Trump's lawyer. Everyone is referring to Ashley Merchant as Trump's lawyer. Ashley Merchant is Michael Roman's lawyer. Now, naturally, as with any television show, when a new key character is introduced, it's important to communicate the character's entire backstory. And so this is the New York Times doing this for us yesterday on Ashley Merchant. Ashley Merchant, a defense lawyer, is arguing for the prosecutor's disqualification. That is the headline in the New York Times. Ashley Merchant is a lawyer representing Michael Roman, a former campaign official for former President Donald Trump and a co-defendant facing criminal charges in the Georgia election interference case. Miss Merchant, who was recently elected president of the Georgia Association of Criminal Defense Lawyers, owns a private practice with her husband. She was previously a public defender in Fulton County for several years. In early January, Ms. Merchant filed court documents accusing Fonnie T. Willis, the Fulton County District Attorney, of engaging in a quote-unquote clandestine relationship with Nathan J. Wade, the special prosecutor she hired in 2021 to help with the case against Mr. Trump and his allies. Ms. Merchant has argued that the relationship between Mr. Wade and Ms. Willis should disqualify them, as well as Ms. Willis's entire office, from prosecuting the case, citing a conflict of interest. She claimed that Ms. Willis was profiting financially from the prosecution, accusing her of taking vacations with Mr. Wade with money he had made working for her. Ms. Willis admitted to a relationship with Mr. Wade in February, but argued that it was not a reason to disqualify her or her office from the case. She and Mr. Wade have also said they split costs for private travel. And that right there was what the substance of some of the 
argument and questioning was about in court yesterday, whether or not they actually split costs, whether Fannie repaid Wade with her cash pile that she keeps in a safe anywhere between $5,000 and $25,000 at any given time. She just likes stuffing cash away. And hey, got to give it to her. She said her dad taught her that. And that's something that we could actually give a thumbs up to if the guy wasn't such a communist. In court filings, Ms. Merchant said that Mr. Wade was unqualified for the role. And now here, after this next sentence, is where you should hear a record scratch in your head. Here you go. But in 2016, she praised Mr. Wade's quote unquote robust legal background on Facebook when she was supporting him in one of his failed bids to be elected as a superior court judge. In another post, a photo showed her posing in a Wade campaign t-shirt. Asked about the post, Miss Merchant said recently that Mr. Wade, quote, was the most qualified candidate in the race, end quote. So Michael Roman's attorney, the guy who somehow discovered their clandestine relationship, his attorney was a supporter of Nathan Wade when he was running to become a superior court judge. The post being referenced here was from Facebook May 15th, 2016. Ashley Bartkus Merchant at the Marietta Greek Festival wrote, Vote Nathan J. Wade, enjoying some Greek music while getting the word out. And she has a Wade shirt on, Wade's name, front and back of her shirt. And you might say, well, that's a coincidence. That was eight years ago. You can't hold that against Ashley Merchant. And I don't hold that against Ashley Merchant. I know very little about Ashley Merchant. She might be a wonderful person. Maybe Nathan J. Wade was a different person back then. Maybe he had a stellar record and then something happened. I don't know. It's plausible that that's the case. That's the most charitable interpretation I can probably give. If it's plausible, you have to consider that that is true. Maybe it's true. Maybe Nathan J. Wade was a great guy back then. And Ashley Merchant was a great woman. And she supported him because they were both just being great. And then Nathan Wade took a few wrong turns in his life, ended up getting divorced, having this thing with Fonnie Willis. And now maybe he's going to end up losing his career for this ethics violation. But it's also plausible and maybe more likely that Nathan J. Wade has always been a servant of the regime and the Uniparty and that Ashley Merchant has too. And maybe she's on the Uniparty right and he's on the Uniparty left and under some interpretation, they're on opposite sides. But ultimately, if they're both serving that Uniparty and that regime, then they're on the same side and Ashley Merchant is not on our side which should also make you wonder about Michael Roman. And so I wondered about Michael Roman and I began searching for information about Michael Roman, as I am often inclined to do. And this is from phillymag.com, August 15th of last year. So the day after the indictment was released, phillymag.com writes, meet the Kensington guy charged in Georgia's Donald Trump case. About halfway down this article, it says 
Roman grew up in Kensington. He got his start in politics in the mid 90s when he worked on behalf of a Republican state Senate candidate who claimed that he lost a special election due to widespread voter fraud among Democrats. Sound familiar? In that case, the Republican candidate was actually able to convince a judge that he was right. Whoa, I thought that never happened. Roman oozed his way through the political muck and eventually made his way to the White House, serving as the special assistant to the president and director of special projects and research for Donald Trump. What does that mean exactly? Nobody was quite sure, including people who worked in the White House. For more on that, check out the 2018 Politico article, The Mysterious Oppo Researcher, working in the White House lawyer's office. So let's head to the Politico article. It's worth noting, by the way, that Michael Roman was the Trump campaign's director of Election Day operations in 2020. But there's some interesting stuff in this Politico article. The Obama White House did not employ high-level non-lawyers in its counsel's office, said Norm Eisen. White House Special Counsel for Ethics under President Barack Obama. The non-lawyers in that office during that administration were very junior fact checkers akin to paralegals, Eisen added. Now, Norm Eisen is from the Brookings Institution. He is basically the author of the Color Revolution playbook. And we're going to spend some more time on Norm Eisen today. But it's worth understanding that Norm Eisen was hired as an advisor For the first Trump impeachment hoax, the Ukraine impeachment hoax, Norm Eisen was brought on to advise the Democrat impeachment managers. And as we'll get to in a second, he was also involved intimately in all of these Trump prosecutions. Back to the Politico article on Michael Roman. Roman briefly cultivated a public profile writing occasional bylines pieces from 2009 through 2011 for Breitbart News on topics ranging from alleged voter fraud in Pennsylvania and New York to the Department of Justice's handling of the new Black Panther Party to a hit piece on Democratic Rep. John Adler. So this article already with a Norm Eisen mention and a new Black Panther Party mention. Fantastic. Election monitoring, concerns about voter fraud and Election Day poll monitoring have long been a passion of Romans and the primary focus of his blog with entries dating as far back as 2008. If an election is worth winning, then there is someone willing to steal it. Roman wrote in one introductory post. That's a great way to frame it, by the way. Roman also attracted notice a decade ago for disseminating a 2008 YouTube video showing two members of the new Black Panther Party dressed in black with berets and one carrying a nightstick milling around a North Philadelphia polling station, a video that ended up being played on a loop on the Fox News Network that year, personifying conservative fears about voter intimidation. And how's that for journalism? Those videos of actual armed Black Panthers at a polling station personified conservative fears about voter intimidation. It didn't personify actual voter intimidation. It personified conservative fears about voter intimidation. So Michael Roman sounds like a good guy, seems like a good guy, seems to understand the stakes in our elections. If an election 
is worth winning, then someone out there wants to steal it. And they say, if there's a will, there's a way. And of course, there's also a way. And the way has been outlined now for well over three years. It is not hard at all to steal elections. We see it all the time. Michael Roman recognizes that, and everyone else should recognize that too. The presidency of the United States has a value to the wealthiest and most powerful people in the world. And if whether or not those wealthiest and most powerful people are able to maintain their unending grip on power or whether it is removed from them, you would think that it is the most valuable thing in the world. We're talking about people who steal all elections. Of course, they would want to steal the presidential election. We basically have all the aspects of that crime just laid out on the table in front of everybody. Do they have motive? Yes. Are they willing to commit this sort of crime? Yes. They talk about it absolutely all the time. Was a system set up over the course of decades, if not longer, to complete that very crime? Yes, it was by the very people who say that they will do that. And is there any evidence that they went through with it? Well, yes, of course there is. It's everywhere. But let's stick with Michael Roman's attorney for just one more second, because not only was she a Nathan J. Wade supporter for a judgeship eight years ago, but she was also a fairly regular guest on MSNBC. Here she is in 2018 discussing the Mueller investigation and the topic of sealed indictments. Good morning. We know the special counsel Good went morning. silent for August. We know they went silent for the, before the midterm. So do you think he was possibly able to anticipate Trump's move to hire a loyalist as an acting attorney general and then file these indictments before Sessions was fired? Oh, I definitely think he anticipated it, and I think he planned for it. And so he has issued all of these indictments. He has filed all these indictments. So now they're pending, and they can't go away. They can't be quieted. They can only actually go to court and be open in an open court so that the public knows about them, which is the key point here. And then only a judge could dismiss them at this point. So they've got to actually be known to the public, and nothing can happen to make them go away. And Mueller can only indict someone with the approval of the attorney general, right? So if Mueller already has everything right. he needs, how likely is this that Matthew Whitaker could challenge these filed indictments? Matthew Whitaker cannot challenge them once they're already filed. So he can do things to stall them in court, but they're actually filed, so they can't just be quieted at this point in time because they're already actually filed in court. They just are under seal. So what will happen is once the person is actually arrested and brought forward, they will be unsealed by a judge. So as soon as the arrests are made, they'll be made public. Now, Whitaker could take actions to make these indictments go away after that happens, but that's got to involve a judge. And so the public will at least know about these indictments, which is going to be huge in this case, because that's what we want to do. No, we want to know who's been indicted. We want to know the contents of the investigation. And so his efforts to quiet these indictments are significantly hindered because they're already filed in open court. And Ashley, one law expert told ABC News that 16 percent of all criminal cases filed this year remained under seal. How unusual is this practice? 
It's not unusual in federal court. It's very unusual in state court. In state court, an indictment is returned in open court, so everybody knows once the indictment is rendered. In federal court, it's different. They're actually filed under seal until the person is arrested. So it's not abnormal for them to be under seal. They're always under seal at the very beginning of a case. But then once a person is arrested and actually arraigned on the charges, which means they're actually brought in front of a judge, that's when everything becomes open and everything gets out from under that court seal. So it's not abnormal, but it is abnormal to see these sitting for so long because normally once an indictment is issued, an arrest is made relatively quickly and then it is not under seal anymore. Is there anything that points to whom these indictments are for? Could Don Jr. or Roger Stone be a focus point? I mean, they definitely could. We don't know at this point. That's that's why we want them to be out from under the seal so badly because we don't know. But the volume of them says that there's, I mean, there's definitely a lot of them at this point. There's at least a dozen or so that we think are linked to the Russia investigation. So some of these key, key players have to be named in these indictments. Okay. So Ashley Merchant has been a TV attorney and now she is kind of still a TV attorney. And I'm not saying that to take anything away from Ashley Merchant's skills or expertise as an attorney. I'm really not just saying she's been on a lot of TV shows. Does this make her an actor for the bad guys or the good guys? No, of course not. I don't know. It could be as easily explainable as this. Donald Trump likes to work with people who have a sense of how to interact with media and how to portray and display and comport themselves and a consciousness that that is required. It could all be that simple. So even the mainstream media, as I said, was all over Fannie Willis yesterday. And we're going to get to some of the support for Fannie or Fannie or whatever. I'll decide how to say it each and every time I say it. And if it comes out different each and every time, all good. But here is Rolling Stone yesterday covering the daily news cycle. Rolling Stone, the music industry magazine that everybody used to love so much, is now just a propaganda outlet for the regime, just like everything else. This is from their article yesterday entitled The Funny Willis Misconduct Scandal Just Got a Lot Messier. From the Rolling Stone article, Yurti, and this is Robin Yurti, Willis's former co-worker and friend, Yurti's testimony given Thursday at a hearing over whether Willis will be allowed to remain on the case contradicts statements and admissions made by the DA and Wade. Earlier this month, Willis and Wade acknowledged that they had an affair, but claimed in court filings that the relationship began in 2022 after Wade was tapped to serve as a special prosecutor in the state's sprawling RICO case against Trump. Yurti threw a bombshell into the timeline, telling the court she had no doubt Willis and Wade's relationship actually began in 2019. She added in her testimony that she had seen the pair, quote, hugging, kissing, being affectionate before November of 2021. November of 2021, by the way, is when Fonnie Willis hired Nathan Wade. And we will come back to that in a second. I was discussing some of this on Badlands Daily today with CanCon and mentioned that knowing the left as I do, having been part of it, and particularly in an elitist culture as Hollywood was, that Funny Willis and Nathan Wade, if they had this relationship and then she ended up hiring him for this case, 
they wouldn't actually see themselves as having any conflict of interest. They would both agree that it was their mission, their purpose to take down this awful orange man who staged an insurrection against the United States of America. They have already fully identified with, embodied, accepted the official story within the central narrative about Donald Trump. These people aren't trying to get to the bottom of what they are told by the television and by the mainstream media. They assume that it must be at least mostly true if you can just separate out the bias. The underlying story has to be true. Otherwise, they couldn't tell us that it was. And if it happened to be false, them and other people like them would realize it and tell one another. All of them believe that everyone else like them is actually checking. So if everyone agrees that something is true, it must be true because there's no way that many very smart people could be fooled. So they believe the whole story. They also believe that they are well equipped to do the job. They get an offer. You're going to get a lot of money and you will achieve great status and power for the rest of your career. If you are able to successfully prosecute this former president for things that he clearly did not do, they already believe that Donald Trump did all these things going in. They don't care if he actually did or not. It's their time to shine. They could be the people responsible for ending the United States of America's Trump nightmare. And because it's so important and because they're the people best suited to do the job, then the relationship they had and maybe still have shouldn't get in the way of this great mission they're both on. Their relationship actually doesn't represent a conflict of interest. It represents a great romance. Just think of how much more important their relationship must be if they are willing to risk all of this on their relationship. It's not a conflict of interest. It's just more movie-like. And how can it be a conflict of interest? They are both really deeply committed to ethics, so they would never allow their personal relationship to actually cause a problem. And once you have accepted all of those notions, then the whole idea of a conflict of interest for two such wonderful people just doesn't make any sense. I know people like this. They have absolutely no problem with that explanation. You could say, hey, Kami, they had this relationship. That's a conflict of interest. And the Kami would say, well, what are they supposed to do? So they had a relationship, whatever. They're still the best people to do this job. I'm not going to disqualify them just because they had a relationship a couple years before. And then you say, well, hey, Kami, they were still having the relationship. And the Kami would say, so what? That doesn't mean that anything bad happened. And you would say, hey, Kami, money was exchanged. And what does that commie say at that point? Well, that doesn't matter. You're just trying to disqualify them so Donald Trump can be set free, even though he staged a very violent insurrection. They don't care. You're not going to get them on this. The only calculation they even consider in this entire situation is whether or not this Fannie Willis thing might ruin their chances to get Trump. And naturally, being both evil and retarded, they want the get Trump effort to be extended as long as possible, which is exactly what we want too. let them keep on going down the path while things grow ever worse for them. 
But let's go back to that timeline for just one second. November 2021 is when Fonnie Willis hired Nathan Wade. Now, in October 2021, Norm Eisen, the author of the Color Revolution playbook, the man who was counsel to the Democrats in the Ukraine impeachment hoax, Norm Eisen helped author a report from the Brookings Institution on the Fulton County, Georgia, Trump investigation. And the report starts out by detailing Donald Trump's phone call with Brad Raffensperger that was published by the Washington Post in little clips meant to make Donald Trump look bad. He was trying to find 11,780 votes so that the election in Georgia could be overturned. That phone call featured representatives of Secretary of State of Georgia Brad Raffensperger's office on February 8th of 2021. Raffensperger's office opened a probe into Trump's efforts to overturn his loss in the state. And this is from the beginning of this report from Brookings. It notes that two days later, Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis announced the launch of a criminal investigation into Trump's conduct vis-a-vis the election. You can go down to page six of this report. In this report, we consider the relevant facts and context of Donald Trump's push to overturn the 2020 election results in Georgia. We analyze the extent to which these actions make the former president vulnerable to state criminal liability. We also assess how Trump's attorneys may defend his conduct in pre and if any post indictment proceedings, as well as in the court of public opinion. We conclude that Trump's post-election conduct in Georgia leaves him at substantial risk of possible state charges predicated on multiple crimes. These charges potentially include criminal solicitation to commit election fraud, intentional interference with the performance of election duties, conspiracy to commit election fraud, criminal solicitation, and state RICO violations. Our conclusion is based entirely on publicly available reporting and evidence, including the recording of Trump's call to Raffensperger. Our view is anchored by a close reading of the relevant portions of Georgia's legal code and unpacking of the extant case law defining the stated crimes and a searching examination of the main likely defenses. The latter pose some serious questions, but at least based on, upon what is currently known of the facts, appear to be unavailing. Our aim in writing this report is to bring the facts, the law, and the possible defenses together to provide a comprehensive and accessible overview of the investigation and the possible crimes on which it is predicated. Our hope is that such an exercise offers a clear picture to the public, officials, and the press of this possible avenue of accountability for Trump's ongoing attempts to attack election processes and subvert American democracy. We undertake our analysis with the recognition that as of September 2021, D.A. Willis's investigation is ongoing. So Brookings released this report and within weeks, Fonnie Willis had hired Nathan Wade. Now, the Brookings report, this very report provides the predicate for the Fulton County indictment and Brookings with Norm Eisen did the same thing for the Jack Smith indictments. And we're talking about the same man in Norm Eisen who was advising the Democrats in the Ukraine impeachment hoax. Norm Eisen was also testifying before Congress just a week ago. 
So cut from the fall of 2021 to February 17th, 2023, a year ago tomorrow. This is Norm Eisen in the New York Times. It's time to prepare for a possible Trump indictment. And for accuracy's sake, it's worth noting that Eisen authored this article with a woman named Danya Perry and another woman named Amy Lee Copeland. The New York Times notes, Mr. Eisen is a co-author of Fulton County, Georgia's Trump investigation, the Brookings Institution report on the Fulton County DA's investigation. That was what I just read from. And Ms. Perry is an author of Trump on Trial, a Brookings Institution report on the January 6th committee. So this is the view from the Brookings Institution. And also worth noting, an account on Twitter who does great research, Blue Canaries, pointed all of this out last year and noted that it seemed like the Brookings Institution was doing all of this work with money from the National Science Foundation. So U.S. government funding going to this global communist think tank to pay Norm Eisen, the author of the Color Revolution Playbook, and his associates to come up with all of the ways to indict, prosecute, and imprison Donald Trump. And of course, Fonnie Willis was more than happy to copy and paste all of this into her indictment and go on vacation with Nathan Wade. Eisen and his co-authors write, If Mr. Trump is charged, it will be difficult and at times even perilous for American democracy. But it is necessary to deter him and others from future attempted coups. You see, the only way to make sure we can save democracy is by destroying it. And it's going to be tough at times, but don't you worry, we're going to get through it. Fonnie Willis, the Fulton County District Attorney, may present the case as a simple and streamlined one or in a more sweeping fashion. Success is more likely assured in the simpler approach, but the fact that the redacted report has eight sections suggests a broader approach is conceivable. In either event, we must all prepare ourselves for what could be years of drama with the pre-trial, trial, and appeal likely dominating the coming election season. It's amazing that he could predict all of this in February of 2023, a year ago. It's weird that he didn't think Ron DeSantis was just going to run away with the whole thing. They write, Narrow charges could include the Georgia felonies of solicitation of election fraud in the first degree and related general crimes like conspiracy to commit election fraud, specifically focusing on events and people who have a strong nexus with Georgia. They go on. Or Miss Willis could charge the case more broadly, adding sweeping state racketeer influenced and corrupt organizations or RICO charges that could still include the impact of the conduct in Georgia, but bring in more of a nationwide conspiracy. This would look more like the January 6th investigation, albeit with a strong Georgia flavor. It could additionally include those who appeared to have lesser contact with Georgia, but were part of national efforts, including the state, like the Trump campaign attorney Kenneth Chesbro and the Justice Department official Jeffrey Clark. And that's exactly what ultimately happened. They totally nailed it just six months out. How did the people from Brookings Institution do this? Later, they write, That said, Ms. Willis has a proven propensity for bringing and winning RICO cases. As we have learned in our criminal trial work, 
sometimes juries are more responsive to grander narratives that command their attention and outrage. Oh, what a story Norm Eisen is putting together. He wants to capture America's attention, just like they did with the January 6th primetime television show. Was it true? No, but that's not what it was for. It's for the sake of propaganda. That's what they do. That's what Norm Eisen specializes in. He is literally the guy that comes up with creative ways to destabilize countries so they can be taken over. He finishes the article with his co-authors, I should say, this way. Needless to say, this would have a profound impact on the election season. It would feature a national conversation about what it means for a former president to be prosecuted. And it would no doubt have unexpected consequences. Still, the debate is worth having and the risks are worth taking. The core American idea is that no one is above the law. If there is serious evidence of crimes, then a former president should face the same consequences as anyone else. If we do not hold accountable those who engage in this kind of misconduct, it will recur. It would be the trial of the 21st century, no doubt a long and bumpy ride, but a necessary one for American democracy. So this was the approach. Brookings Institution laid out the map. They drew up all the instructions. They handed it over to Fannie Willis. She copy and pasted it, released an indictment by accident, and then they released the thing for real. And then I guess she and Nathan Wade went on vacation. I'm just kidding. They had totally broken up by that time, or at least they might have. They can't really remember. He thinks that it might have been June or July, and he thinks it because he's a man and men can't remember dates, according to Nathan Wade, apparently. And then Fannie Willis says that it was August. And the reason Nathan Wade can't remember dates is because he's a man. So apparently they agree roughly on the timing, but 100% on the excuses, and and it's important to note that they knew this separately. Fonnie Willis didn't watch Nathan Wade's testimony, according to Fonnie Willis, and she just happened to say that the reason he can't remember dates is because he's a man. Now, if it was 15 years ago, I totally get not remembering dates. I mean, E. Jean Carroll has no idea when Donald Trump supposedly raped her. And I mean, for her sake, thank goodness, because if she did remember, then she would actually have to say when it happened. And then Donald Trump would be like, yeah, I was uh, somewhere else then. Because of course, Donald Trump is a ridiculously busy man. And E. Jean Carroll is a lunatic who lives in the forest. Trump probably had someone keeping his schedule book back then, whenever it was. But Nathan Wade and Fonnie Willis are talking about something that happened six months ago. And not only was it six months ago, it was concurrent with a major event in both of their lives. When significant events happen around the same time, we tend to remember them together and remember that they happened at the same time. I mean, imagine you're going to college and you have a college girlfriend and you break up with your college girlfriend a week before you both graduate from college and leave. That sort of thing can happen 30 years ago, and you will still remember that because those two events are linked in one's mind. 
the idea that Fonnie Willis and her special prosecutor had a relationship that ended just days or weeks before they joined forces to indict a quote unquote former president. And he can't remember the date because he's a man is insane. It's insane for both of them, regardless of what gender they are. When did you break up with Fannie Willis? Well, it was a few weeks before we both indicted a president. But nope, nope, it's impossible to remember. Now, we'll come back to the media going after Fannie Willis in a second. But I just want to be clear, it wasn't all of media saying that Fannie Willis was finished. She had her defenders on the left, just as she has some detractors on the left as well. Some of the headlines in her defense were rather hilarious. Patriots in Control did one of those collages he often does with some of these headlines. The AP said, in fiery testimony, Fannie Willis hits back at misconduct claims that threaten future of Trump case. Salon wrote, spectacle. Legal experts say messy hearing shows Fonnie Willis scandal is a big nothing burger. Oh, another nothing burger. That's what they say when they want you to ignore something. And the word gives you permission to ignore anyone else who's talking about it as well. Huge advantage with the nothing burger strategy. NBC says Fonnie Willis fires back at misconduct claims in Trump Georgia case. Raw story, big nothing burger. Fannie Willis hearing failed to turn up evidence of corruption. Oh, of course. With everything on the line, Fannie Willis delivered raw testimony, says the New York Times. But this was the best one. And I want to just touch on this article for a second because it's amazing. The Washington Post, when Fannie Willis took the stand, her fury was precise and laser focused. The article is written by a woman named Robin Givhan, who is a, according to the New York Post, senior critic at large, writing about politics, race, and the arts. A 2006 Pulitzer Prize winner for criticism. So we are talking about a real genius here. And this article reads like a romance novel. It's like Stacey Abrams wrote it. And if you're like, what? Why are you talking about Stacey Abrams and a romance novel? By all means, look it up. Stacey Abrams used to author romance novels, and they are hilarious. But let's get just a couple excerpts here. Willis sat in the witness chair for hours, or more precisely, she reclined in the chair. Woman splaining how men define relationships and how they end them. She did so wearing a fuchsia dress with a single strand of beads around her neck. Her hair was styled in soft, shoulder-length curls, and her eye makeup was precise and intentional. She was a singular bright spot, surrounded by a black-robed judge and lawyers in mostly somber suits. Only Willis and her main inquisitor, Ashley Merchant, who wore a cobalt blue dress under a white blazer, stood out in the room's sobriety. And that really paints a picture for you. I can just imagine all the commie mommies out there waking up with their morning tea, reading this article, drifting off for a brief period to a far better place where the world is happy and racism and all the isms have ended forever. 
only to snap back to reality and immediately fire Rosa the nanny because she let young Huxley get on the school bus without his mask on. But just a bit more from this glorious article. During a November interview with the Washington Post, Willis was asked what advice she'd give to younger women who are trying to be heard. Willis said in part, quote, You should be comfortable enough in your own skin to be authentically you, to be a woman. It's okay to be pretty. It's okay to, you know, think of things that are feminine things and still be a strong leader, end quote. Willis walked into court as a woman on the ropes. Some would say the hearing was a mess of her own making. Others might believe the whole mess is a distraction from more important matters. Either way, Willis fought back with gobsmacking fury, defiant in power pink. Now that, my friends, is how to win Pulitzer Prizes. Nothing she said meant anything at all, but it was quite evocative. What a picture she painted. Now, of course, there would be defenders for Fannie Willis or Fanny Willis, no matter how poorly she did. We're talking about propaganda here. What happened in reality doesn't matter. The story is what matters. The story is the realist part of this. And while Fanny had her protectors, and of course she had her detractors from the Uniparty right and Con Inc. media, and of course our community as well, because no one likes Fonnie Willis, it was the takedown effort from her own side that really cut the deepest. This is the clip that went viral yesterday from MSNBC. The woman's name is Caroline Polisi. You're watching MSNBC's special coverage of the trials of Donald Trump. You were just listening to a hearing in Fulton County, Georgia, this hearing to determine whether D.A. Fonnie Willis and lead prosecutor Nathan Wade should be disqualified. On the stand just now, Robin Yerty, she managed public relations at the D.A.'s office. And joining us now, Charles Coleman, civil rights attorney, Caroline Polisi, federal and white-collar defense attorney, uh, and uh, senior FBI official, and of course, a former U.S. attorney, Chuck Rosenberg, who's going to be with us in just a, a minute. But Caroline, I just we've all been watching this, and it's, it's so legalistic-centric, and yet so important and fascinating. Right. Don't let the legalese fool you. This is epic. This is monumental. If things are going in the direction we think... Uh, Fonnie Willis lied to the court. It's game over for her. She will be disqualified um, if they had a relationship prior to when they uh, represented to to the court. It's it's a huge deal. I, I can't overstate it. And do you feel the same way, Charles, based on the testimony of what we just heard and we just learned Nathan Wade, who is the special prosecutor in this case, walked in the courtroom. He is being sworn in to testify now about this issue and his relationship with Fonnie Willis. Let's listen. So Willis must have lied to the court, as did Wade, because they said their relationship started at a certain time. And Robin Yerdes testimony said it happened earlier. That means they've lied to the court. That's it. Their toast, according to Caroline Polisi, this is game over for them. That is it. There's not going to be any second chances done and dusted. They are finished. And it remains to be seen if that's true. But that's the word out there. That's what went viral. Game over. Fanny Willis is toast. Coming from MSNBC, coming from Fox News, coming from Con Inc. Media, 
and also coming from people in America First and MAGA. It is not often we find ourselves agreeing with the interpretation of MSNBC and Fox News and all of the Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley supporters. And I, for one, kind of feel like if I find myself agreeing with both of them as they agree with each other, I'm probably in a bad position because the product they create and sell is the messaging and the storytelling designed to get everyone on the same page within that controlled opposition dynamic. And when I see that happening, I've got to wonder, what is it I'm missing? Now, I've been saying that these indictments are fake from the beginning. I follow this from the perspective of viewing narrative warfare and trying to see if I can discern if there is truth available inside that battle of narratives. But this does not trigger my emotions. I'm not worried about Donald Trump's freedom. I'm not worried about the future of our country. I just want to make sure that people don't all get back on the same page, the regime's page, the official story within that central narrative bubble, because that's the point at which people go back to sleep. They like to agree with their controlled opposition on the uniparty left. It feels better than constantly fighting because a lot of people on our side have to be around these people on a day to day basis. I don't, which is lovely. I've arranged my life in a way that makes sure I do not have to be surrounded with those people. But I understand that not everybody has the ability to do that. And people like to be able to relate to people who are on, quote unquote, the other side of the political aisle still for whatever reason, not apparently realizing that those people are in real trouble and that you might be in the shrapnel zone. But I understand that people like to agree. And when they see an instance where their friends on the uniparty left, those friends still stuck in the party of false decorum, opening their eyes for the first time and saying, hey, I get it. It's pretty messed up coming from my side, this whole thing. And we want to be like, oh, hey, Kami, I told you so, but that's okay. We're still buddies. Just keep your eyes open for the next time. And then we want to have an in-depth conversation about the entire situation and how many ways we agree. Feels like the old times where we were just talking and getting along. But the goal is not to reunite and unify with those people. The goal is to continue progressing toward the truth and ultimately leading them. They can catch up. They can become redeemable communists. But if the goal is just to reunite and unify, then the tendency is to reunite and unify around stories from the mainstream media. The goal is not to get them to move from the uniparty left to the uniparty right. And in order to unify, you accept all the uniparty rights narratives as true that would just be you continuing to support the uniparty right because you and your friends can unify there. Like you go meet them at Ben Shapiro's diner. The goal is not to get them to believe stuff Fox News says. The goal is to get them to understand that all of the mainstream media is lying to them in very important ways about very important things and that all the knowledge they have denied as true must be seen in a different light. So your commie friend agreeing with Fox News isn't the goal. If your commie friend comes and tells you, hey, I just read the J. Alex Halderman report, and I think maybe you were right about our elections, that's a good time to reunite. 
So MSNBC says it's game over for Fonnie Willis. And Fox News says Fonnie Willis is toast. And the response we've been conditioned to having is, yes, Fannie Willis is toast. She's done. It's game over. Trump wins. But that can't be right, because if that was right, why would MSNBC be shouting this at such high volume to the child brains and standard issue uniparty left villagers in their audience? That would immediately make them think that they've been misled for the last six months as MSNBC has had them glued to the television, pumping Fonnie Willis stuff into their brains. Donald Trump is guilty, guilty of a conspiracy to overthrow the country. And now he might be president again. I mean, imagine what that does to your brain if you believe it's true. MSNBC just can't come out there dancing on Fonnie Willis's grave. And when is the last time Fox News was cheering on something that helps Donald Trump and MAGA and America first? It's very rare. Fox News went ballistic over the last few months about immigration after largely ignoring it for years on end. And yes, that's an important issue for supporters of the America First movement. But it's not like they did it for our benefit. They did it because the Uniparty was trying to pass their Ukraine-Israel-Taiwan spending by attaching it to, quote-unquote, border security to fix that problem that they were now throwing in everyone's faces. Now, if you want to think that Fannie Willis is the worst and it's good that she's being brought down, you are welcome to think it. I'm not trying to talk you out of that viewpoint. I'm just trying to get you to consider another one. I'm not trying to convince you. I'm just proposing another way to look at it. And if you look at it this way, in part, you might find that the patterns that emerge conform better to this understanding. They would map better onto this understanding of reality. But before I describe what I think might be happening, let's hear what Donald Trump had to say last night on Truth Social. They're talking about the Georgia Fani scandal all over the world. In fact, by far, it is trending number one. I can't believe the Georgia state judiciary or the governor can be happy about this humiliating embarrassment. It was a, in all capital letters, fake case from the start. It was a fake case from the start. Fake case in all caps. Donald Trump just said that. It was a fake case from the start. Now, I have been saying, it's a fake case from the start. And people respond to me thinking that I'm insane. How can you say this is fake? Everyone knows this is happening. Are you pretending it's not happening? And the answer is no. Of course, I'm not pretending that what we all witness is not happening. I'm saying that what we are witnessing is fake. We are watching a fakery. And I am of the belief that understanding things are in fact fakeries allows you to look at those things and analyze them through a different lens because it's easier to keep your emotions out of your thinking when something is fake and realizing it's fake. You understand that the important part of what's happening is the narrative as it plays out and what the intended results are of that narrative effort are, which is why we spend so much time analyzing things in that way. But let's get back to this Trump statement. It was a fake case from the start, and now everybody sees it for what it is. A, all caps again, major league scandal. 
The legal pundits, experts, and scholars are all screaming that this witch hunt, which has hurt so many fine people and patriots, should be immediately terminated and permanently erased from everyone's memory. The stench of what has happened should shame Georgia no longer. It should get back to greatness and fast. So Trump is saying this is a fake case and that this witch hunt should be immediately terminated and permanently erased from everyone's memory. And naturally, it likely will be because it's fake. So we have a fake case. We have a major league scandal and we have both sides of the uniparty propaganda media taking the same viewpoint. Now, not everybody on the uniparty left takes the viewpoint of the uniparty right, but many do and elements of the corporate media do, which means that that viewpoint is acceptable within the controlled opposition dynamic, within the bounds of the central narrative. It is okay for someone, quote unquote, on the left to dislike Fannie Willis and distrust Fannie Willis at this point. That is the purpose of this kind of messaging. It gives little commies at home and commies on social media the narrative space to defy their peer group in saying that something is wrong with Fonnie Willis. So they could have caught on at any point throughout this process. They could have caught on with the understanding something here is very, very wrong. They're not going to get Trump on this because Trump didn't do this. Those people are looking for an escape hatch from that while not risking their status within the party of false decorum. And for those people, they will attach to something like this, this Fonnie Willis thing, because that allows them to go against their peer group and they can't be punished for doing it because MSNBC has already given all of them permission to do it. They have put it out on mainstream television. So within the central narrative for the uniparty right, it is totally okay to hate Fonnie Willis. You can go after Fonnie Willis as hard as you want. You can make all the jokes you could ever possibly make about Fonnie Willis, and hopefully you'll make some racist ones so they can make it your fault again, right? But you're allowed to go after Fonnie Willis and any run-of-the-mill commie annoying everyone at a homeowners association meeting, they can go after Fonnie Willis too because they have been given permission by MSNBC. It can be incorporated into the central narrative that Fonnie Willis was sleeping with her prosecutor and now both of them need to be dismissed. Now that, to me, makes it sound like Fonnie or Fanny is getting burned from both sides. And what are you if you get burned from both sides? You're toast. So we have this whole stage show, this fake indictment, fake trial, all of this in the get Trump effort. Fonnie's side comes directly from the Brookings Institution. They lay out the plan. The author of Color Revolutions and Destabilizations of Countries lays out this plan to indict Donald Trump. Fonnie Willis follows the plan and Trump is indicted. All of this is to tell America Donald Trump staged an insurrection. Donald Trump tried to overthrow our democracy knowing that the election was not stolen and that Joe Biden really did win with 81 million real lawful American votes. 
No one else should ever try anything like this again. Donald Trump attempted a coup. We want to make sure there are no coups in the future. And we want to paint this big, broad tale that all of America will want to follow. They're going to know that Donald Trump is guilty, and that's going to put pressure on that jury to convict Donald Trump. And at that point, even the people who are doubting that Donald Trump is guilty, well, then they're going to have to admit they're guilty. And at that point, it will become culturally untenable for people to still defend Donald Trump. This is a pretty comprehensive strategy to try to keep Trump from, quote unquote, winning an election they will know to be rigged in 2024. We're talking about Norm Eisen's perspective here. He knows elections are stolen. That's why all their work is focused on what happens before the election, changing how elections are run, running lawfare to make sure no one can challenge elections. And according to efforts like the Transition Integrity Project, what they're going to do when they have to take to the streets in order to secure that election. People who can win legitimate elections don't think about that stuff. That is the stuff of communist regimes and authoritarian dictatorships. That is the stuff of countries that don't have real elections. Of course, Norm Eisen knows we don't have real elections. He does this in nations all across the globe. That is what this entire effort is for. It's to frame Donald Trump in a certain way. This is high-priced, all-out, nuclear-grade narrative warfare. So consider all those goals, all the Trump-related, election-related goals. None of those goals, none whatsoever, have anything to do with Fonnie Willis. Fonnie Willis doesn't matter at all in this situation and the achievement of those goals. And those goals are all that matter. They may well have decided that this trial is not going to work the way they thought they need to figure out a way to make it go away for whatever reason, but quite possibly because they want to deny Trump the opportunity to show the nation proof of election fraud. But regardless, they want it to go away or quiet down. So we have an entire spinoff series about Fonnie Willis and Nathan Wade in order to take down Fonnie Willis. Fonnie Willis is being burned from both sides. Initially, Fonnie Willis is tasked with taking down the quote unquote former president. She's going to get money. She's going to get prestige. She will gain in status and wealth and power. She will probably have a very fruitful political career laid out in front of her, as will Nathan Wade. And by golly, they get to go on this journey together, their love growing the whole time. They would become the stuff of Oscar winning films. The two black attorneys who took down the evil orange man and saved the United States of America coming soon to a theater near you. Well, it seems like that story's over. And it seems to me like Fonnie Willis is none too happy about it because watching some of those clips from the trial yesterday, some of what people are going after Fonnie Willis for just seems absurd. Keeping cash in her house is a totally normal thing. And what we have are people arguing about salacious details and irrelevant events. None of this has anything to do with whether or not Donald Trump actually did the things he's accused of. We don't need a win that is based on 
Fonnie Willis and Nathan Wade getting dismissed and the case going away. That's still a win for them because anyone who might have thought Donald Trump was guilty is certainly not going to stop thinking that just because Fonnie Willis and Nathan Wade were removed from the case and the case disappeared, they're still going to believe Donald Trump is guilty. Fonnie Willis is irrelevant in the bigger picture. If she is who she seems to be, she is a malicious communist, a liar, a criminal, all of it. And I hope she's held accountable, but she's fairly irrelevant. She is a lower tier character. Both sides of the Uniparty are singing songs of her demise. This is not a win. They are too happy about her potential dismissal. It does not make sense. Red flags should be going up everywhere. Fonnie Willis looks like she understands she's getting burnt by her side. Of course, she's going to get burnt by the other side. And they may be right. She may be toast. But also, I will propose this, but also. Also, Fannie Willis might just stay in her position and might keep trying Trump. No matter what this evidence says, no matter how standard issue villagers on the Uniparty right and left will react, she might remain district attorney and continue prosecuting this case. And if I'm right, if my viewpoint is correct and all of this is fake and all of this is for show, then I kind of believe that she will be. And you might think that's crazy at this point because it's so obvious, quote unquote, that she's going down and Trump is clamoring for it as well. And I might agree with you. Yeah, this is just some low probability speculation, except for the fact that we kind of see this pattern playing out as well. We talked about this with Robert Menendez a few months ago, the New Jersey senator who is up for reelection this year, got indicted, has been defiant. He is going to run. And that is after Democrats were clamoring for him to leave. That would have given them the opportunity through illegitimate New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy to appoint a Democrat replacement and give that person a glide path toward keeping that New Jersey Senate seat illegitimately in Democrat hands. But it seems like instead Menendez is going to run there totally incapacitated with these charges hanging over him. Even New Jersey with their scam elections would have a hard time convincing voters that criminal Robert Menendez has just won re-election. But we shall see. Same thing with Joe Biden. All everyone knows about Joe Biden, the exposure and disclosure, it's coming fast now. Standard issue villagers are realizing that the conspiracy theorists were right again. They were right about Joe Biden and everyone is clamoring for Joe Biden to be removed and replaced. But it also kind of doesn't seem like it's going to happen. And to be clear, I understand there's a chance I might be wrong on all three of these. Joe Biden might be removed and replaced. Robert Menendez might be removed and replaced and Fonnie Willis might be removed and replaced. But if Fonnie Willis stays, the Uniparty left will all immediately fall back in line. The Uniparty right and some America first will go crazy. The Uniparty right definitely will go crazy. But all of this is about narrative. And if we understand what's going on, when the rug is pulled, we're not on it. You don't have to lose your shit every time Fox News loses its shit. It is a mark of your progress that you are not losing your shit when Fox News is. The way to break the cycle 
and get out of the constant never-ending psyops is to recognize the psyops and not participate. The normies think it's all real, but there are some people who are relatively awake and who recognize psyops who still believe that the point is to choose which side of the psyop you feel like you align with. That is just normie thinking in someone who is, I guess, a little more open-minded. I think you can understand that I have absolutely no love whatsoever for Fonnie Willis. I don't care about her. I think that she is a communist, a liar, probably corrupt as hell, so a criminal. And I hope she is held fully accountable for all of that. But she is a low-level, ultimately meaningless character, and her being removed from this case is not the win it's being projected to be by Fox News with MSNBC collaborating. We can take the narrative win without the emotional attachment that then blows right back in our faces when the rug gets pulled. We can also know the principled answer. We can understand the right and wrong in all of this while also understanding that the right, this time being the morally right, not the political right, is not going to win yet. There are still more steps before the end and further revelations. And just as we don't attach ourselves to each and every supposed win, we also don't freak out about every supposed loss. And it's worth updating that during my recording of this episode this afternoon, it has been announced that creepy judge Angeron in New York has ordered Donald Trump to pay $355 million. NBC News's headline, Judge Finds Donald Trump More Than $350 Million Bars Him From Running Businesses in New York For Three Years. The judge who presided over a civil business fraud trial against Donald Trump on Friday ordered the former president, his sons, business associates, and company to pay over $350 million in damages and temporarily limited their ability to do business in New York. Judge Arthur Engeron ordered the former president and the Trump organization to pay over $354 million in damages and bars Trump from serving as an officer or director of any New York corporation or other legal entity in New York for a period of three years, including his namesake company. The New York Attorney General's office, which brought the case, said that with prejudgment interest, the judgment totals over $450 million. Donald Trump is finally facing accountability for his lying, cheating, and staggering fraud. Because no matter how big, rich, or powerful you think you are, no one is above the law. Attorney General Letitia James said in a statement calling the ruling a tremendous victory for this state, this nation, and for everyone who believes that we all must play by the same rules, even former presidents. So now we are being told that Donald Trump owes someone $450 million for committing a crime. Nope, nope, not a crime for committing civil fraud by submitting paperwork to banks to be considered for loans with an attached disclaimer that says you must do your due diligence 
do not take any of these numbers as anything more than estimates because we do not know them to be true. There's a page of a disclaimer saying that. And despite all the loans being repaid and the banks making money and still wanting to do business with Donald Trump and the Trump organization, Donald Trump also somehow defrauded them. No, not them. Who did Donald Trump defraud? Oh, he defrauded um, the uh, the abstract state of New York. So now Donald Trump has to give them half a billion dollars. The NBC News article notes the judge also cited the lack of remorse by Trump and his executives after the fraud was discovered as showing the need for a monitor. Their complete lack of contrition and remorse borders on pathological. They are accused only of inflating asset values to make more money. The documents prove this over and over again. This is a venial sin, not a mortal sin. Defendants did not commit murder or arson. They did not rob a bank at gunpoint. Donald Trump is not Bernie Madoff. Yet defendants are incapable of admitting the error of their ways, Engeron wrote. Apparently, his feelings are really hurt. Defendants' refusal to admit error, indeed to continue it, according to the independent monitor, constrains this court to conclude that they will engage in it going forward unless judicially restrained. So apparently this creepy, weird judge who takes shirtless photos of himself and posts them on Facebook is very, very mad and very, very sad at Donald Trump. And that means Donald Trump has to give him $450 million. As you might suspect, Donald Trump responded on Truth Social to all of this. And there are a few posts here. So let's go through them. He begins. The justice system in New York State and America as a whole is under assault by partisan, deluded, biased judges and prosecutors. Racist, corrupt Attorney General Tish James has been obsessed with getting Trump for years and used crooked New York State Judge Angeron to get an illegal, un-American judgment against me, my family, and my tremendous business. I helped New York City during its worst of times, and now... While it is overrun with violent Biden migrant crime, the radicals are doing all they can to kick me out. This decision is a complete and total sham. There were no victims, no damages, no complaints, only satisfied banks and insurance companies, which made a ton of money. Great financial statements that didn't even include the most valuable asset, the Trump brand. Ironclad disclaimers. Buyer beware and do your own diligence and amazing properties all over the world. All the other side had was a ridiculous $18 million valuation of magnificent Mar-a-Lago, an unconstitutional gag order, a consumer fraud statute never before used for this purpose, no jury allowed, and a refusal to send this disgusting charade to the commercial division where it would have been put to a deserving end. This case is over ever since the appellate division ended it on statute of limitations, also letting my daughter Ivanka out of this witch hunt. The Democrat club-controlled Judge Engeron has already been reversed four times on this case, a shameful record, and he will be reversed again. We cannot let injustice stand and will fight crooked Joe Biden's weaponized persecution at every step, make America great again, 
And of course, that's true. This is obviously going to be overturned. Donald Trump is not going to give these people $450 million. There is zero chance of that. He continues. A crooked New York state judge working with a totally corrupt attorney general who ran on the basis of I will get Trump before knowing anything about me or my company has just fined me $355 million based on nothing other than having a great company, election interference, witch hunt, more to follow. And he continued. This is just five minutes ago now. This election interference and tyrannical abuse of power by a crooked judge and crooked attorney general cannot be tolerated. My case was already won in the appellate division, and more than 80% of the frivolous claims were wiped out. Yet, as I suspected, and in order to hurt me and the Republican Party politically, crooked and corrupt Judge Arthur Angeron ignored his loss at the appellate division and came up with an outrageous $355 million fine against me. Using a statute that has never been applied like this before, the corrupt judge conspired with the crooked attorney general, Letitia James, and punished a liquid and beautiful corporate empire that started in New York and has been successful all around the world. There were no victims and not one person testified there was any fraud. The actual witnesses established my net worth exceeded that reported in my financial statements as those statements never included my most valuable asset, the Trump brand. The highly respected expert witness said my financial statements were among the best he has ever seen. I paid over $300 million in taxes to New York City and state, and they want me gone. They are crazed lunatics who are destroying everything in their way. It all starts with Biden's attacks on his political opponent. The actual bankers who were involved in the loan transactions testified I was a highly sought after whale of a client with, quote, one of the strongest personal balance sheets, end quote, they had ever seen. And I was overqualified for the loans. Those banks earned more than a hundred million dollars in profits doing business with me and my companies. But to justify his crazed attack on me and my family, this biased Trump hating judge ignored all this and even said Michael Cohen told the truth although Cohen admitted to lying hundreds of times and lied right in front of the judge during the trial. This shocking and corrupt interference in the free markets for political gain places every New York business transaction at risk. We must make sure corrupt politicians and judges cannot continue to abuse the power of their office and violate the public trust. We have already won and will continue the fight on appeal. And so what do we have here? Bonnie Willis falls apart and 24 hours later, creepy judge Angeron decides that Donald Trump did a fraud so bad that he owes half a billion dollars to who? To people who said he didn't commit fraud? Are we to pretend that all of this is just happening naturally? All of it just unfolding in real time as we're being told about it? That's not how things work. This is narrative warfare. These are psychological operations and information operations. The way to break out of it, to stop with the never-ending psyops, is not to engage your emotions and decide which side of the psyop, which brand you prefer. It's to refuse to participate in the psyop because the psyop keeps you 
on the same page inside that central narrative within that controlled opposition dynamic. And in there, you get burnt on both sides and then you're toast. Now, I had kind of conceived of all of that being half the show. I do this a lot. I have way too much prepared and then can't get all the way there without it being a ridiculously long episode. And I also simply don't have it in me to do another hour on a Friday afternoon. Maybe I'll try to do the Navalny stuff this weekend. I think it's really interesting. But otherwise, I will be back next week at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic and Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree. Linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range. infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing we wondered the same thing so we made byheart a better formula for formula learn more at byheart.com Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, 
You can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range.